Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I don't think I have to unpack that. All of us know that there are times we've said things we shouldn't have said. There are deeds we shouldn't have done. There are deeds we should have done because our flesh just kind of got away from us. So walking according to the flesh. But that doesn't mean we are unsaved. It just means that we're human. The unsaved has that. But we are walking according to it even though it's been put to death by Christ at the cross. So that's what we say, that um, we're a life without condemnation. If you want to know what the positive of all of that is, that we have a life with peace. Put that in your margin. I don't want you to just see we don't have condemnation. I want you to see that because of what Christ has done for us eternally and now, that we can have peace with God. Now this is something for some of you that you want to go a little bit further. Let me just throw this out. Dig a little bit deeper. There are many different pieces found in the Bible. I don't mean pizzas like um, mushroom and pepperoni pizzas. I'm talking about pieces, all right? One piece is what we call the peace of God, and the other is the peace with God. We talk about the peace with God, it goes like this. I have God and me. God was angry with me. We were enemies. All right? He loved me, but there was anger going on. I was a sinner. There was an enemy of God. All right? I have no peace with him. No matter how good I was, he said, you didn't trust my son. You tried to get to heaven to me your way, and your way wasn't my way. It's like your kids trying to obey you their way instead of your way. It just doesn't work. But now when I trust Christ as Savior, look what happens now. I have peace with God because Jesus Christ took away the sin that was separating us. But now if I want to have God's peace within me, not just peace in a relationship, but have the God of peace and the peace of God, His peace in me, then I have to walk by means of His Spirit that has prompted me to do the very things that Scripture is telling me to do. My motives will be right. I'll be doing it based on faith. I'll be doing it for His glory. I'll be doing it His way, His timing with His people that He wants me to do it with. And I'm choosing to do it out of a humble, surrendered, completely sacrificed life for His glory. When I do that, I know I'm given His peace within me. So that means there are no condemnation with God when I'm in Christ Jesus for those that have trusted Christ. Now, let me speak to those outside the faith. This is all for you. I'm telling you that I'm offering you a ticket to Disneyland, and there's so much in there, it'll take the rest of your life to experience the joy of Disneyland. And let me add in another way. The ticket to Disneyland is infinitely cheaper than the ticket to heaven in a relationship with God. It was the death of His only Son. And heaven and intimacy with God is infinitely better than any relationship you can have with Mickey Mouse or Disney or the park and all of that. And God says it's yours if you just receive him by faith. All right, let's go to the second one. The second word, two out of three words. The second word is another important word. It's a life without domination. Now, it's a little bit broader passage of Scripture, but it's basically saying that as a Christian now, I do not have to live underneath sin having the power over me any longer. So my hurt, habit, and hang-up, whatever that might be in your life, I want you to know as powerful as it is, it's not more powerful than the Holy Spirit's power within you. So that does not have to dominate you any longer. Now, you may choose to let it dominate you by choices that you make, walking according to the flesh instead of according to the Spirit of God, then it will. But in reality, it doesn't have to. You can have a life without domination. In the other side of that, you can have a life with power active in your life, not just power in the wall, but power when you flip the switch. It's right there for you. Picking it up at verse 5. It says, For those who are according to the flesh... 
They set their minds on the things of the flesh. Obviously, if I'm walking according to what my flesh wants to do, and I'm thinking about that all the time, I'm going to start doing that very thing. So what you think, you become. So if I think about how nice it would be to go here and do that, or how nice it would be to have that in my life, and greed, moral impurity, bitterness take over, the things of the flesh are going to take over. But then it goes on to say, but those who are according to the Spirit, that, in other words, they want to live according to the Spirit of God, the things of the Spirit will be in their life. They will have joy in their life. They have the fruit of the Spirit in their life. They have all the things that you want to have in your Christian life, but it's a choice you make. Do you want to walk according to the flesh, and you do that with your thinking first, or do you want to do it then with the Spirit? It's your choice. If you want to, you can take the word walk, who do not walk according to the flesh. Circle the word walk in verse 4. Go to verse 5. It says, set their minds on the things of the flesh. So you think it, you do it, all right? So you have your mind and thought patterns going on. Verse 6, for the mind is set on the flesh is death. That's what we talked about. Death physically, if you're not saved. Death socially, psychologically, separated. If your mind is set on the flesh. But the mind set on the spirit is life. Not so much eternal life now, but life in peace here. Have you ever been so tired that you've taken an afternoon nap? And then when you take that afternoon nap, and I hope you're not taking it now, but if you take that afternoon nap and you sleep for about an hour, an hour and a half, and you finally wake up and some of the loved ones are in the kitchen maybe watching a ball game or something else, and they say, hey, look who's come back from the dead over here. How do you feel? And that person said, oh, I died. I died. You know what that really means they're saying to you? Not that they died, died. It just means that they were useless then, right? They were without any, they couldn't do anything. They were, oh, I just died. Well, that's what happens to you and me. We become unproductive. We become useless when we walk according to the flesh. There's nothing that gets done for anything that will bring glory and honor to the Lord of the spreading of his kingdom. That's what this death is talking about. Not so much a physical death, but a usefulness. How about life in peace? Um, about a year ago, we took some folks, the surf was really up on South Shore, and when it's up on South Shore, people don't surf, surf. I like to, I have a, a couple of the beach boys down there, my dear, dear friends, and so they will take out some people for me on the, uh, the canoes, and so we'll go as far out as we possibly can to the second break there behind Dukes, and we'll be paddling and paddling and paddling. I'm, I'm watching them, the, the guests that are in the canoe with me, and we're going and going and going, and then we catch the wave, and more cases than not, we are actually surfing with the canoe on the same wave that a regular surfer is doing. So they're trying to get pictures, and they're holding on to their paddle, and they're getting splashed, and they're seeing Waikiki, and it's just going so good, and it's so euphoric on this thing. And then usually they give two rides, but the guys will let me take two or three extra rides with, with the guys we bring on. So we're, we're going, and we're going, and going. We get on the beach, they kind of get out of the canoe, and they're like, wow, this is so good, this is so neat. And I'm talking to people that are so passive, little frail little women that are, and they're, oh, this, we got to do this again. That's kind of what happens when you fully surrender to the Lord and you choose to walk by His power doing what He tells you to do in such a way by being filled with the Spirit. You're like, you're alive, but you're really alive then. It's like there's that new excitement. Now when I say that, let me say this very carefully and as much love as I can because I know this is going out. There are people and who doesn't want to have that momentary excitement of joy. But they think they get it with the kind of music they listen to, all the jokes and stories and all the color and the drama and all of that. And so they have to go from one event to the other and they've got to stay consistent because it's those events that are trying to drive them to a psychological, emotional high 
rather than a deep-seated residence of the Holy Spirit within you that gives it a bubbling up from within that's sustained way beyond all the extra tinsel out there. And it just is because you've chosen to, watch this, moment by moment. And I like to say from Monday to Monday, not Sunday to Sunday. Monday to Monday, live for the glory of God. You will maybe not have those explosive times, but I promise you, you will have life. You will have peace. You will have victory in your life now, not just eternal life later on, because you have it by means of the Spirit, not by extra stuff that you try to keep up with. So keep that in mind that you want to have that moment-by-moment walk with the Lord. That's what that passage is talking about. Let's go a little bit deeper in here. It says, because the mind is set on the flesh is hostile. Our old man is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. It might for a moment, but it only does it for its its own selfish reasons. For it is not even able to do so. Why? Because the flesh has no power. It's dead. You can't make a dead man dance, all right? Verse 8, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In your margin, you might want to put Romans, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Verse 9. However, underline that, so it's showing you a contrast. However, you, believers, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So there's a real question. If the Spirit is in you, how does He get in you? You have to trust Christ as Savior. So if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone else does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to the Lord. You can wear all the t-shirts that says, I belong to Jesus, have all the bumper stickers, go to all the right churches. But if you do not have the Holy Spirit within you, you do not belong to him. So the question now is, how do I get the Holy Spirit inside of me? Do I pray, oh God, give me your spirit? That's a passage taken out of context. Is it a certain amount of deeds I do to get the spirit within me? No. The Bible says, the moment I trust Christ as Savior, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit, Ephesians says, immediately comes inside of you as a deposit, promising you that you have eternal life, and also with Him comes all the power, everything necessary to live that victorious Christian life. You have it the moment you trust Christ as your personal Savior. You get the Spirit then. And so now you have the Spirit in an operable way in your life. And what a joy that is. Let's go a little bit further here. Verse 10. If Christ is in you... Though the body is dead. Oop, watch a minute, watch this. Verse 8, it says, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Verse 10 says, if Christ, and the word if is sin, since Christ is in you. So why don't you circle the phrase Christ in you and the phrase Spirit of God in you. And now you'll see that you have the Godhead within you, both God in you, in a sense, because of the d- deity, but you have Christ and the Holy Spirit. I know they have separate ministries, but by nature of doing the same thing, you have them in you. Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And I'll tell you, you'll never feel more alive than when you're walking righteously. And you'll have eternal life and be alive forevermore because of the righteousness God gives you when you trust Christ. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Again, giving you life now and life to come. Verse 12. So then, brethren, we're under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. In other words, I don't live according to my old flesh. I, I'm obligated to uh, live for the Lord. As in other words, I'm, I, I, I live for the Lord not to get something from Him. I live for the Lord as a way to say thank you for what I've already gotten. All right, verse 13. For if you are living according to the flesh, as a believer, you must die. And, you, and that's true. If you're going to live according to your flesh, flesh brings death. So this death is any kind of separation. 
But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That is such a rich passage. As you make choices to live by the Spirit, the very deeds that you do that you don't like to do, you now are recognizing the power. Watch this, watch this. And you're using the Spirit by His power to empower you to put those deeds to death and you will be very, very much alive. Let me ask you this question. A moment ago I talked about those sins of iniquity that you had in your life that were really bad, really bothered you, and you struggled with those. What I didn't ask you was this, and now I am. What times of hurts, hang-ups, and habits did you have in your life, sins in your life, that you dealt with it from a biblical point of view, and you can look at those and say, you know, I used to have a problem with that, but I don't have a problem with that. There are people that are here today that used to have a problem with an addiction. And that addiction was a physical addiction. It was an emotional addiction. It was a social because your buddies did it with you. All of it was with you as an addiction. But you came to a point to say that I need to be addicted to Christ and not to some earthly things to give me some kind of earthly euphoric moment here. And it doesn't have to control me. I can control it. And you have experienced long-time victory over that addiction. Now, if you have, I would like to submit to you that you did that through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So why am I telling you that? Since you did it right here and, and received the victory today, you may be looking at others, so instead of saying, okay, I came so far for the Lord, but you kind of gave up, and you don't want to continue growing in your walk with the Lord, why don't you go back and say, I know what it means to be alive for the Lord now, and these, I celebrate this. Now look back at these things and say, do you want to celebrate those? Or you've been so deceived that you kind of want to half celebrate, but not really, because you still enjoy doing that sin Maybe it's time now for you to say, I want to have complete victory over every sin in my life. And you can. All right? Well, let's go a little bit further here. Let me jump down if I will. I want to give you number three for today. It'll fit better if I put it all together. Number three is a life without desperation. A life without desperation. This means there'll be a life with promise in your life. The promise of hope in your life. Pick it up, if you will, at verse 18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. That means there's something coming. I have it now, but I'm going to have glory later on. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Well, let me see if I can help you with this. Has there ever been something in your life that you really hoped to get? Maybe it was a gift at Christmas Maybe for some of you, you hoped when you were younger that you would get married and now you've got that special person in your life. And I celebrate that with you. But in this passage, there are two things that we would hope for and that God has promised to give to us. And it's such a joy to know that we have. Think about that for a moment. What might be some of those things that we would hope for? The things that we would be so celebrative of the promise that he would make for us. In this passage, it's the future resurrection. I am... I am so glad that I'll be delivered from this bondage of pain that people that I love go through. I'm still dealing with a dear friend in the mainland who has brain cancer and they bring him to church in almost a truck and a special crane to get him in there because he can't. He wants to be at church so bad. And I'm looking forward to the day that he'll dance again, he'll run again, he'll play again. Some of you know people like that. Our bodies are deteriorating so rapidly and we're around loved ones whose bodies are frail. And I look to them and I know that they remember the days of their youth when they could do things and be places and now they're kind of confined to that wretched body. You could look forward to that future future resurrection. So for me, this is my hell because I'm going to heaven. How about you? 
And the other in the passage, you want to see this go down a little bit further. Drop down, if you will, to verse 25 and then 26. But if we hope for that, we do not see with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. In other words, I don't see my resurrection, but I know it's coming. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, this is not talking about some type of tongues in a prayer language here. It's merely talking about the Lord himself, through the Spirit of God, praying for us that we can't even pray. It's just so deep. We just can't do this any longer. And so I look forward to the fact that I know that the Holy Spirit is praying for me. Hudson Taylor is my favorite of all missionaries. They're all good, good men and women, but Hudson is my favorite. I'm reading now about the hundreds of missionaries for the China Inland Mission that died during the Boxer Revolution. They kept it from Hudson Taylor because he was right at the end of his life and they thought to hear about how many of these men, women, and children were being slaughtered, heads cut off, stabbed to death, run over by carts, left naked in the streets to be brutalized, missionaries. These would be like our missionaries that we see and hear and read every day. That's happening in China in the 1900s. Unfortunately, Hudson Taylor came over to a desk and on the desk he was starting to read some of the reports back about how many of his missionary friends that he interviewed years before put him on the field and now were slaughtered at that particular time in the political history of China. And so when they came in, they saw him, they're kind of shaking as he's looking at this, and they said, oh, Hudson Taylor, we wanted to keep this from you. How are you going to handle this? And what he said spoke to me so much. He said, you know, there are times when you are in so much pain, and this for him was emotional. He says, you're so much pain, you cannot sing. He said, you cannot pray. He says, the only thing you can do is silently trust. And I would like to think that it's those times that you just, you're so confused. I can't, I can't make sense of all of this thing. It's just too painful. It's too big. I can't wrap my, my arms and, and, and head around all of this. That's when you have the Holy Spirit very privately knowing that we are groaning. And so now he takes, and with those groans, he now takes this to the Father on our behalf. He intercedes. Watch. Your pain because his, becomes his pain. He takes that on himself, intercessory, and he now takes it to the Father. And I'm going to tell you, there's no person I would rather have pray for me than the Holy Spirit. How about you? And the groans that creation go through and the groans that we believers go through and the groans even that the Spirit of God goes through, we who have accepted Christ as Savior, we are on the winning side now and when we die. And dear ones, there is no greater life to live than the Christian life. It's not a life without problems, but it is a life with a problem solver in it. Let's pray, shall we? You can see that the Word of God is chock full with so many wonderful truths. And sometimes to plummet its depths, we can't drink from it. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Don't be discouraged. Don't go home and say, oh, it's too much. Uh, go home and say, this is so great. There's so much there. If you've ever been to one of those island buffets, you've been to some when they had maybe 25, 30 items on it, and you think that's really great because all you've had is a hamburger. But then you've been to those buffets that have 150 items on it. And you think, I can't eat all of this stuff. You can't. But you can keep coming back for more. And knowing that that buffet will always be there, always fresh, always real, always helpful, always available. That's the Christian life. And it's at its finest when we allow the Holy Spirit and Christ to live it out through us. 
So first of all, for those who are on the other side of all of this, you've been struggling with the issues of life, so do Christians. But our mindset, as we know Christ, we have now the capability to live the kind of life that brings us fulfillment in fruit, positive results. We can have victory over our hurts, hang-ups, and habits. We can have victory over those enslaving iniquities in our life. It doesn't mean that we won't have setbacks because we're still wrapped in that thing it's often called flesh. We have a propensity with our old self, but we still know that that old self was put to death when Christ died and we believed in him and rose again and we rose with him. And so my friend, why don't you write today, accept Christ as your Savior. Yes, it'll give you eternal life. Yes, trusting Christ will give you an eternal Savior. But I want you to know that your eternal life doesn't start when you die, so you have to wait around until you die. You can experience this resurrection life this very moment as I'm speaking, but you have to want it. And I'm believing and praying that the Holy Spirit is bringing you to a conviction in your life right now that today is the day that you'd place your faith in Christ. Without trusting Him as your Savior, you're left on your own to try to make your life better, only to find out that you're going to die and go to a place that's a whole lot worse. And Jesus says, I love you. And I went to the cross and I paid your sin debt. And if you'll trust in me, then my life, eternal life, is your eternal life. And in a way, my quality of life is your quality of life. Not a life without suffering. For even in scripture we know that we have special rewards when we suffer. But those are rewards that we'll have for all eternity in heaven. But you've got to go through the door of Christ. So right now maybe you would want to transfer your trust from yourself or your own belief system. It might have worked for you but you still feel empty with it. It's like trying to stay afloat with a toothpick. It's not working. And I want you to cast yourself upon the true Savior. Not a toothpick but Jesus Christ the Lord. If you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. I really would. Now, me praying for you won't get you into heaven. Filling out a card, walking an aisle, raising a hand won't. But if you're trusting Christ as your Savior in your heart, you're believing as He's the Lord who died and rose again, and you're not coming to Him with a set of good works or promises. You're coming to Him just as you are. Not saying you're going to believe and be good. You're just saying, I'm believing in you. And any being good or behavioral change will be because I want to say thank you, not to keep it, but because I already have it. Is there anyone in here today with heads bowed and eyes closed that is ready to say, I'm ready to trust Christ as my Savior? Would you pray for me, Pastor? And if you are, then you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm trusted in you. Jesus Christ. Is there anyone? Would you slip up your hand? Put it down. Anyone today? Thank you. All right, the rest of you, um, take a moment and think about that with the Lord. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You're in Christ, no need for condemnation, eternally or now, because you have the power of the Spirit within you to overcome those hurts, habits, hang-ups, and really to overcome the enslavement of sin. It's because Christ is going to do it through you. Take it to him now. It's a matter of choice. A choice to, to put your mind on Christ. A choice to walk according to his word.
a choice to put yourself around the strength found in his word with people of the word. Our gracious heavenly father, I just thank you for your word and I thank you that it is so rich, so full and so helpful. I thank you that you don't just dump a Bible into our lap, but you've placed your Holy Spirit within us for the ability to understand your word through those who have been gifted teachers, through the teaching ministry of the Spirit, through, Father, you giving us understanding, enlightening us, illuminating us. I thank you that, Father, that our responsibility is not to be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer. And that, Father, we will do this not because we want to receive something, but we want to share with the world someone we've already received, which is you. Help us this week to magnify you by our life and our lips in a life that's lived walking by means of the Spirit. Father, we pray that so you'd be glorified. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.